Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Light Join of with the me East now is as we also look supported the by of the Eastern East. Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Light of the East is also funded by a grant from the Koch Foundation. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. So oftentimes we say in this program that the ancient spirituality of the Eastern Christian churches is nonetheless timeless. It has perennial value. It has a value that is good for all times. And just to illustrate that a little bit or to, in a sense, prove that, we have an interesting guest on our program today because she has written a book, a novel, in fact, a science fiction novel, her first novel, which has a lot of acclaim to it already. It has just come out this past week. And the novel is actually influenced by her Byzantine spirituality, but it is a science fiction novel. And the name of the book is called The Mark Maker. And I'll read just a little bit of a review. The Mark Maker is an extraordinary first novel, beautifully plotted and elegantly written. From the first pages, it engages the reader in the struggle of its young narrator with the contradictions of a world that has lost, and not only literally, the gravity of its great past. Woods begins with a simple premise. Suppose tattoos were not personal expressions but symbols with the whole force of the law behind them. And suppose that instead of being a tattoo artist, the mark maker occupied an almost priestly role while the marks themselves bore an almost sacramental power. Without a trace of pretension, this story is a parable about what it means to wear our deeds publicly as our justification before others, and also what it means when malice and power distort these visible signs and subject the innocent to injustice. Woods, the author, takes the reader into scenes that are deeply moving in the confrontation between mercy, literally a transgression against the strictness of the codes, and the misery of an exile and humiliation as palpably abject as leprosy. The characters of the closed world, the ancient ship, spring to life in all their dimensions and in the gathering complexities of the plot. The challenges of the constructed hierarchy expose limitations we both inhabit and enforce upon others. This book is a vivid accomplishment. It makes its reader feel the presence of greatness, first as a mere rumor, and then as a reality earned and enacted. 
And this review was by Glenn Arbery, the president of Wyoming College and author himself of Bearings and Distances and Boundaries of Eden. So let's welcome the author to our program here at Light of the East, Mary Jessica Woods. Glory to Jesus Christ. Mary, welcome to Light of the East. Or Jim Forever. Thank you for having me. You heard in the review, and one of the reasons I chose this review, as you may suspect, is as it mentions sacramental and priesthood. So <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a good review. So tell me about, first of all, your education, your college, and what that was like. Yeah. So I attended Wyoming Catholic College, where Glenn Arbery was, in fact, uh, president and still is during my time there. And I chose to go to Wyoming Catholic, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. One was that they have a very strongly Catholic community, um, very faithful, uh, and, and really integrated in the whole student body and all the, all the professors. And then the other reason was uh, their program is kind of unique. So they have a, a great books program. So basically studying like literature, philosophy, theology, math, and science, but taking it from sort of reading all the, the great books and great thinkers of sort of the Western canon and reading primary sources. So instead of, you know, reading, say, a textbook about, you know, Shakespeare or, you know, or other, other great literature or theology, you're, you're reading the primary sources and you're encountering those, those great ideas and great thinkers sort of directly. Mm-hmm. You, so that was, that was very appealing to me. Uh, I'd done a, a little bit of that in high school. And I really liked it, so I wanted more. And also, the other reason that I chose this type of education was actually because uh, I wanted to write fiction. And and while I could have, you know, gone into sort of more like run-of-the-mill university program, like for an English or creative writing degree, I I really felt drawn to the great books, sort of encountering these great writers directly. And I really felt that that would have kind of be the best education mm-hmm. if you want to be a good writer. Yes. Just, read great writers. <laughs> <laughs> and you, that's something you've always, often aspired to or always aspired to, to be a writer? Yeah, I've, I've been wanting, I've wanted to be a writer from a pretty young age. So this has definitely been a, uh, an endeavor of many years at this point. <laughs> I found it interesting that you chose this theme or this character of being a tattoo artist. I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. interesting, pretty radical, pretty pretty relevant, because I'm finding that the tattoo thing seem, seems to be a big thing nowadays. Uh, not only just it about, does seem to be. <laughs> yeah, it's not only just among young people I'm finding out. People middle-aged and up are, are walking around with tattoos, but especially the young people. Uh, so it, it, tell me about that, how, how you arrived at, at using that. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a funny story, because I am not into the tattoo like in sort of our, our own culture. I don't really have no particular interest in that. Um, but the story came about because during my time in college, I was in my friend group. I had a number of you know other friends who enjoyed like sci-fi and fantasy stories. And one of my friends had created this, actually a role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game that had a science fiction setting. And one of the alien races in this setting, kind of their, their culture, very much like a warrior honor culture that was revolved around these ceremonial tattoos. So I actually did not come up with the original idea for this this race of aliens that the book is about. But I started thinking about it one day, just started thinking about, you know, what would that actually be like to live in a society where all of your, you know, major life accomplishments, you know, sort of like your your birth and your ancestry and like your accomplishments in your education and in your job, or if, you know, you broke some of the laws, like all of these things are just visible on your 
on your skin for people to see. And just started thinking about what would that be like to live in a world like that? And then specifically, what kinds of moral dilemmas would arise mm-hmm. in a society like that? Uh, and what, what would the role be of the tattoo artist? Because if they're so bound up with law and social status and all these really important things, you know, the tattoo artist is not just, you know, he's a very important figure. And even as the review you read earlier, even almost almost a priestly figure because they're bound to, to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And if they don't tell the truth with these these marks that they're in charge of, then there are really serious consequences. <laughs> in one of the reviews also by Father Michael Renier, it's mm-hmm. it, from Dappled Things magazine. It says this, Mary Jessica Woods has built out an imaginative sci-fi world in which questions of identity, birth, and death cannot be ignored, as we so often do in ours. I read it start to finish, from the underbelly of the ship to the glowing marks of power, and was sad when it ended. Here, for those with eyes to see, the truth is traced out as surely as an invisible mark upon the heart. So it, it seems to me that you know your story here, like all great stories, you'd study great books, and I've always taught and told people, especially young people, that there's really only one great story. That great story is really the Christ story, the incarnational story, which is a story of adventure, of character development, of rising action, of, of a crisis, climactic moment, a redemption. Uh, is that something that you were taught at, in that you know that kind of pattern or style to the great stories? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I sort of you know, I mean, I studied that. I have studied. Sort of story structure like that consciously. And also you, I think you just pick it up unconsciously from all the stories I've read or watched. It is, it is very prevalent and there's, there's something really true about it in a, in a deep way. Yeah. In a sense, like we say that the, the great mystery hidden from all times now revealed through Christ is the mystery of the incarnation, but that's the mystery of God entering into his own creation and becoming, you know, again, like the hero. Of course, obviously a priest, the priestly figure, uh, sacrifice and resolution and salvation and redemption after coming through suffering and so on. All that seems to be lost, but yet then there's victory at the end. And that story, that mystery, it seems to be in the heart of the human persons. Maybe you know this, uh, Mary, you're, you're an author, so you appreciate this, but the most enduring superhero, and of course, people are into superheroes today, especially the young people, but the most enduring superhero that I know of, you know, from the comic books, you know, it was mm-hmm. Superman. Superman, sort of the archetype of which these other ones, you know, came Batman and whoever, Captain America, all these other ones, but it, it was Superman. Superman was created, I'm proud to say, because I'm from Cleveland originally, by two high school boys for their high school newspaper. And these boys came up with this story about a being from another planet, from far away, a superior planet, superior being. He was sent by his father to Earth to become like the Earthlings, yet to still have this superpower. And he would dwell among the earthlings, become one of them, look like them, yet he had this superpower to save them. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> well, <laughs> that sounds a little familiar. <laughs> but here's the catch. The catch is that these two boys were Jewish. How mm-hmm. would they have known the essence of the great mystery, the Christ event? How would they have known that? It had to have been in their heart. I mean, they were young boys, you know, maybe they knew about Christ and knew enough, whatever, but they wrote this story. They came up with this figure of Superman, who is really a type of the archetype Christ. 
And this is what I'm probably sensing in your own book, and actually in all great books, that there is the same kind of, I'm going to call them Christ elements. So Mm -hmm. we're we're getting close to our first break here. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about this new book, this new science fiction book. It just came out. It's called The Mark Maker by our Byzantine Catholic author, Mary Jessica Woods. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day. Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Royal. A handy tool used by so many ideologues today is the kidnapping of very potent words whose real meanings are then diluted, stripped, and redefined. The finished product of this phonetic manipulation is a club which is then used to bully and force an agenda or ideology. The word accept is one such club of intimidation. You have to accept me or you don't accept me as I am. You're judging me. One young adult who practiced a lifestyle inconsistent with his Catholic heritage recently told me that he had to leave the Catholic Church because he flourishes where he is accepted. We have to be bold enough to start taking back words with potent meanings that have been commandeered today. We do this by asking questions like, so what does it mean to accept someone? Should we accept the perpetration and cover-up of clergy sex abuse because we are to accept someone as they are and not judge anyone? What about other forms of criminal, harmful, inconsiderate, or irresponsible behavior? Yes, we are supposed to accept every person as just that, a person. And as St. John Paul II reminded us, the only honest response to a person is love and responsibility. Precisely because we accept someone's personhood, is why we should not accept any of their behaviors that would be harmful to them or to others, even if they themselves do not see that at the time. So it is with boldness that we should say, yes, I accept you as a person, but I do not accept nor will I affirm you in fictional and delusionary behaviors such as transgenderism or same-sex marriage. True compassion is a function of truth. True acceptance is a function of having the courage and discernment to love the person enough not to accept that which prevents them from becoming the best version of themselves. I'm Loretta Freilich of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of Chicago and Pentecost Today, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Seeds of love endure. Hitler and Stalin didn't. And now, a Szeptyski Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. During World War II, the Ukrainian Catholic Archbishop Andrei Szeptyski saved hundreds of Jews from Hitler's Holocaust. Kurt Lewin, the son of the murdered chief rabbi of Lviv, was one of them. In 1990, the Ukrainian Catholic Church emerged from 50 years of Stalinist and Soviet oppression. Lewin later wrote, The compass that guided me all these years was the memory of the encounter with Archbishop Szeptycki and his brother Clement, two spiritual giants who by their example charted a course for many. The efforts of their lifetime seemed to be destroyed at the end of their lives, but time has shown that the seeds they sowed resulted in a rich and rewarding harvest. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit szeptyskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. 
Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're talking with a special guest here, our author, Mary Jessica Woods, a young author. And I'm proud to say, if I may boast a bit, she was at one time one of my parishioners. She's at another parish, though, however, she moved, but she's at another parish, And but she was our parishioner. Her father is a deacon in the Byzantine Church. He was also proud to say our choir director and cantor at one time at my church, and he is the one responsible for conducting our choir that produced the now very well-known Theosis CD. It's called Theosis CD. You hear the music of the Theosis CD on this program, actually. And it was her father who was the conductor behind that. But Mary has written this book called The Mark Maker, which is a book that uses a lot of imagery. It's a science fiction, but it's communicating the deep principles of life. Basically, the deep principles of the Christ event, the great mystery, which is what all great stories are based on, whether the author realizes or not. There is a formula for a great story or a great movie that has a great story. And that really is the Christ event. Because the Christ event is about the human person, the human event, the human drama, which is summed up in Christ. You know, the struggle, the redemption, and so on. Mary, you have Byzantine influences in your book, don't you? Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is, this is really interesting because, I mean, when I started writing the story, I certainly did not have any particular intention about writing with a you know particular spiritual theme. But... Very early on in the writing process, when I started showing bits of the story to people, and people kept telling me, hey, your, your main character is like a priest, and these, these <laughs> tattoos he gives look like sacraments. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was very, a very unconscious influence at first, but I've you know, had time to reflect on it since then. And, and yeah, it's been a really beautiful experience, because I, I think that even though you know, it's set in this alien world and this alien culture, and obviously they haven't had any, you know, exposure to Christianity or know what it is, uh, or sort of, so they don't have revealed truth. They're, you know, essentially more sort of a, a pre-Christian pagan type of culture. But there's still, you know, certain universal truths that that come through. And I think one of the sort of specifically Byzantine influences that came through. So in this culture, this alien culture with their ceremonial tattoos. And how, you know, there are very strict rules about the tattoos and who can give them, and, you know, what kind of symbols and colors and things can be used. And they're extremely important. You know, they, they take this really seriously. And I actually think in a way that there was some influence there with growing up Byzantine, the way that, you know, we would treat icons, both in the church and at home. And I really had a sense from a young age you know, that iconography in the, the Eastern Christian tradition uh, is not simply, they're not simply decoration, mm-hmm. but, you know, we, we respect and, and venerate them, you know, venerating the, the saints and Jesus and the other figures depicted. And, you know, and there are also a lot of rules <laughs> about the way icons can be made and traditions that you follow, you know, that are sort of laid out for you. So you've kind of are, taken that, that sort of uh, ethos, as it were, into the idea of the tattoos in, in your book, right? The mm-hmm. tattoos become more than just a tattoo, right? Right. It's more than just decoration. It's it's almost like this, this sacramental. Yes. I like that word, sacramental, yes. <laughs> Very Byzantine. Mary, what what would be the what would the is the takeaway you would want a reader to have from your book? If you could sum it up, like what would be the, the takeaway? The message, the thing you want want to have stay with them. Hmm. I mean, there's a number of principles in here. Uh, yeah. There's any, any one <laughs> in particular. There's, there's a number of things. Well, I think the main one I hope people take away just and 
an enjoyable and engaging story. Yeah, and, and really, I think, I think there's a lot in there about, so that the main character sort of has this, you know, this deep fear and anxiety throughout the story that he's, he's like broken his oath of truth telling. And that, that means he's sort of outcast from, you know, salvation basically mm-hmm. is what it comes to. And sort of the way the story plays out, you know, he sort of has to work through that fear and trying to, you know, atone for that, mm-hmm. for that sin essentially, but also eventually coming to a place of greater trust in, you know, more or less providence. You know, it's not explicitly called that in the story, but that is, that's sort of the, the deep truth that it's working with. Um, I would hope that that's what people can take away from it. Some of the other reviews said that they couldn't even put the book down, or, or like the one review I read that said that they were sorry it ended. <laughs> that's, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> now, yeah. in order to get the book, people can go to the website of the publisher, right? Chrismpress.com. Yeah. Chrism, like in Holy yeah. Chrism, C-H-R-I-S-M, press.com. Also, they can contact you as well, right, at your website? Yes, that's correct. MaryJessicaWoods.com, MaryJessicaWoods.com. Now, Mary, when you were, the book has illustrations, correct? Uh, well, it has the cover art. It doesn't have any illustrations on the inside. Okay, and the, and the cover design, was that from a friend or just an artist you came across? Yeah, so the um, well, the the whole design of the cover was put together by the cover designer at Prism Press. Uh-huh. The uh, the portrait of the main character, the the alien main character who's on the cover, uh, that was actually done by my friend who my friend from college who originally created the game. Oh, uh-huh. um, his name is Don and Scholl, uh, is his name. So he's kind of been my creative collaborator, you know, helping to like build out this world and then he also is a very talented artist so he, he did the cover art as well which was great now the, on the cover as i'm looking at a picture of the cover here it, it looks like a, a human figure but you can also tell it's some kind of different figure like an alien figure does it have a male mm-hmm. or female to it or oh uh, the main character is a male yeah oh okay and the characters in there have all these uh interesting names or uh kind of reminds you of stuff out of star wars or something or narnia mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> lots yep. of characters yeah. to keep in mind during during the, while you're reading the story and how long is the book um i don't know exactly i know it's longer than 300 pages i haven't actually gotten the physical copy in my hand yet <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, at the time that we're at the time that we're recording this <laughs> oh okay and it's paperback yes but it's about one hundred forty thousand words uh-huh if you're familiar with 100,000 words, it's kind of the usual length for a novel. And just a little bit about you here in your bio. It mm-hmm. says, Mary Jessica Woods was raised and homeschooled in the Chicago suburbs, where she read as many adventure stories as she could get her hands on. At the age of 10, she realized she was doomed to be a writer and has been following the muse ever since. <laughs> Still seeking adventure. She headed out west to Wyoming Catholic College, where she climbed mountains, repelled off cliffs, and studied the great books. You, you did repelling, too? Yeah. They had uh, the other unique thing about the Wyoming Catholic program is that they have a uh, an outdoor sort of adventure program. So we did, like, backpacking and canyoneering and canoeing and a bunch of other fun stuff. Well, Mary, I want to thank you for being on our program today. We're going to have you on again. We'll see how the book is doing. We'll certainly help to promote it. It's a fascinating yeah, thank book. You. Uh, a great effort on your part. Very proud of you as my former parishioner, <laughs> spiritual daughter, <laughs> so to speak, in that regard. And again, you can get this book 
called Mark Maker by Mary Jessica Woods. Go to chrismpress.com, chrismpress.com. You can also contact Mary at maryjessicawoods.com. Thanks again, Mary Jessica Woods, and congratulations to you. And we'll be staying in touch with you and looking at the progress of the book. We're certainly going to try to promote it here in our program. So thanks for being with us. God bless. And thank you, all of you, for listening. Get out there, get this book, and have a good read. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. WTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.